This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to the Double Feature Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Roberts, and I'm joined, as ever, by Joanne So from the new paper. Hello. Hello. Now, this week, we are going to be reviewing Spider-Man Far From Home. It's the 23rd, I think, Marvel movie. Yep. It closes off what they call Phase 3, which is like the coda to after Endgame's big crescendo. It's all very musical for a moment. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, so it's the second full outing for Tom Holland's uh, Spider-Man. Uh, second film for John Watts, mm. who's kind of an incognito director. He's not very prominent in the world of these things. What do you think of it? I love it. I really, really like it. I mean, it's a bit uneven in some parts, but I think it's it works really well because Tom Holland has embraced himself really into the character. It's like he's really Peter Parker and Spider-Man. And I like it that there's more Peter Parker in this one as compared to like him being... You know, Spider-Man, because we have seen so many Spider-Mans in the last, I mean... Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. As, it, as a superhero Spider-Man. But it's it's nice surprising to see. that this is only his second Spider-Man film. He's been all over the place. Yeah. I think that's the, the way you've got to expect Marvel things to be now. No, Everyone's everywhere. The first, his first outing was in Civil War. Yeah. Then um, Homecoming, his own one. That's he, right. And then, of course, he died in Infinity War. He came back alive in, in Endgame. Endgame. And now this one. Yeah. I wasn't so sure what to expect. I wasn't yeah. wowed by Homecoming. Mm. I mean, Homecoming has got two really good things for it. One is that Tom Holland is definitely the most believable high school Peter Parker stroke I, Spider-Man. I think he's the best for me. Uh, the other one was, of course, that it had this master stroke in Michael Keaton. But what I like about Homecoming is it went straight into... Spider-Man, but I mean Peter Parker is, is Spider-Man. It doesn't have that, you know, oh, the backstory no that everybody story. and there's yeah. no like, you know, have to coping with uh, Uncle Ben's death and the responsibility. It is thing. amazing that we are now into his fourth major appearance, and we've still very little mention of Uncle Ben. Mm. I think the most you get in this film is particularly uh, the embossing. Yeah, on the luggage. On the luggage. That's about it. Ooh, I mean, as ever with these things, how can we say? Well. I mean, it starts off in an unusual fashion, uh, very different to any other Marvel film in that it kicks off immediately. Uh, Samuel Jackson's Nick Fury and Kobe Smulders' Maria Hill meet Jake Gyllenhaal almost immediately. And then we kick into uh, Whitney Houston singing I Will Always <laughs> yeah. Love You over the top of the usual Marvel embossed logo. Yeah. And you really wonder where that's going. And after that, Everything is all recapped and told through teenagers' point of view. It's a high school like recap video, and it's all told in five minutes. Well, the thing I do like is that considering the trailers for this, which had kind of, you know, a very uh, red-eyed, sniffly-looking mm. Peter Parker saying, "Oh, Iron Man's gone," and of course, you know, mm. a big thing because if Tom Holland did anything really well, it's in some very short scenes, managed to snap your heartstrings and cast them aside, and then stamp on them just the way he reacted to mm. Iron Man, both in yep. Infinity War and Endgame. And he thought, oh, God, so, you know, this is going to be more kind of like, oh, it's five years on, everything's a bit awful. But no, it's an incredibly irreverent mm. take on it, including, well, they, it's not called the foreboding, you know, it's not the snap or the snapping anymore, <laughs> the dusting. They call it the blip, <laughs> which if there's any term to make it, it just seemed not that big a deal. <laughs> It's calling it a blip. And then it's, it's essentially 
yeah, it goes on holiday. Yeah, you have to think that I mean Peter Parker. It, well, in this movie, is still sixteen years old. And what will sixteen years old want to do? It's like you want to be with a friend. You want to go out and have fun. Mm. It, it is the the smaller things that really make Marvel movies now. We we kind of know what scale of action it is. So when these kind of elementals that you'll have seen, there's like fire and water and mm. all these kind of, uh, yeah, you know the action is going to go on. It's, yeah, it's, you accept it. It's, it really is the small stuff. And again, Tom Holland and Zendaya. Yeah, she's great. She, they ace being MJ and yeah. Peter Parker in that very kind of trying to play it cool, incredibly awkward, dance around each other trying not to say that they like each other <laughs> whilst saying that they like each other. Yeah. It's so perfectly done. So yeah. spot on. I think the, the chemistry is amazing. It's yeah. like, you know, they're so relatable. And I guess if you think about like, you know, at that age, it's like, like, like Peter Parker, you can like, again, save the world, but yet he doesn't know how to express his feelings. <laughs> it's the awkward um, teenage phase of like, you know, first love, you crush and everything else. And he has this whole big plans of how, how he wants to express his feelings for MJ at yeah. the Eiffel Tower, which is so cliche. Well, I'd the say most it, romantic that's the place. kind of thing that will turn me off from these <laughs> things. They <laughs> say, oh, he can save the world, but he can't express his feelings. <laughs> that to me is like, okay, I'm not going <laughs> to stick to that. But yeah, they do it and they've got yeah. charm to spare doing it. Fnet. Oh, yes. If you want, <laughs> I think part of the reason that uh, the MJ and Peter Parker's romance <laughs> works so well is that you have another romance going on. <laughs> uh, it seemed for a while that Jacob... Uh, Batalon as Ned was not going to get so much to do <laughs> in this particular outing, but he has his own thread, and it's romance, <laughs> and it is so toe curling because I don't know. It just if you're of that age, you may well recognize it in some friends. If you're older, you'll remember back to a time of there was always one couple who was got together in high school and were just uh, <laughs> uh, the worst. Yes. But it does help make the MJ Peter Parker thing look even better, I suppose, <laughs> by comparison. You know, it's like they really thought about the mindset that he's still a kid. It's like when he was gifted the the Edith glasses yeah. and what he did with it is hilarious. <laughs> <clears throat> Tony Stark is still very much a character in mm. this. You see huge murals around the world. The world knows that Iron Man saved them because there is huge, you know, oh, you know, everywhere, almost <laughs> semi-religious yeah. looking murals of him in every locale that they visit in this thing across the Europe. But yeah, he looms large. So he mm. still gifts Peter these special glasses yeah. that have, you know, basic Iron Man glasses which can do everything. And they're called Edith uh which means even dead, I'm the hero. As ever, you know, Tony Stark's ego permeates. He also influences it in other areas. This film, considering it's the end of phase three, has got some incredibly deep cuts mm. um, f spanning way back to the start. Things come back. Yes. They've really gone out all out to do uh, some deep cuts, including getting some cast back from... The very first it film. It makes you and want to the watch way. the first Iron Man, and uh, well, I did after watching it. Just, oh, just did? for that kind of, was it him? Was it real? I mean, obviously, but it could have been mapped in. Yeah, that's knows, right. But no, it's him from really? that particular scene. Yeah, the humor in this, I, I was surprised at just how funny it is. Yeah, 
I, I was laughing out loud in so many places. <laughs> yes, there, there right. are, Me too. There are moments that, well, we shan't reveal them here, but there are some gags that you really have to see fresh, going cold. <laughs> um, there's one particular term in particular that so Ned says, and then it gets carried on throughout the entire film. <laughs> and it's really, really funny. Jake Gyllenhaal is in this. Of course, he is at one point touted mm. to be a Spider-Man. Yeah, that's he right. He was very close to being a Spider-Man yes. if uh, Tobey Maguire's back didn't heal up. Um, I think it's also because of, yeah, they wanted to negotiate for some higher pay for um, Spider-Man 2. Oh, that was the rumour, right? Yeah. His back wasn't that bad. It was just yeah. that, yeah. So uh, he was very close to being a Spider-Man. In this one, he is Quentin Beck. Uh, I was going to say Quentin Blake. Which is yeah, not, that, that's, yeah. the, that's the Roald Dahl illustrator. <laughs> yeah. Very different character. Uh, Quentin Beck, who is gets the name Mysterio, mm. and he basically has a goldfish bowl on his head, but he's got some amazing undefined powers. He reminds me of Doctor Strange because it's all the green stuff that they come up. Yeah, he's got the kind of like and the cave light you know, that the, turn into symbols, yeah. and there's a very Doctor Strange vibe in this actually because yeah. these uh, the action scenes later on remind me of the trippiness yeah, of Doctor Strange like the disorientating when he uh, first elements. met the one yeah and yeah. all the buildings start mm. doing the inception thing but yep. even to a grander scale it's very trippy <laughs> yeah no it is The some of the action scenes later are wonderfully disorientating mm. in that you really don't know where you are or mm. who that is <laughs> or is that the real guy or what but Jake Gyllenhaal is uh, pretty good in this yeah I, I I really enjoyed him. It's, I think he plays a very good. I mean, he's supposed to set up as the the new mentor for, mm. for um, Peter Parker, right? And yeah. I thought that he he plays that part really really well. You know, it's like let's go have a drink after a big fight. You know, when he was thing, and then it's like, yeah. and then uh, Peter Parker said, "I'm under age." You know, but they still, he went, is, right? yeah. Yeah. They, they still, and it, in that, that moment, I thought that scene was so beautiful when he put on um, um, the Tony Stark glasses. Yeah. There was just it's a fleeting moment where he realised, hey, that looks like Tony Stark. Yeah, yeah. He's got that, uh, there's mirroring mm. there. I think that, that lots of like quiet moments where between the two of them, I thought it really works very well. Mm. It's just like, you know, where it works well for the story because I think Peter Parker is really seeking in, um, an adult or someone he can relate to and yeah. then he's he really doesn't want this responsibility. And, you know, Quentin Beck clearly understands what he's going through. John Favreau gets to do more than possibly has ever done yeah, in the I films. Think so. uh, certainly more acting anyway. Uh, yeah. Not necessarily screen time, but certainly showing off the acting side of him rather than just being hapless, happy Hogan. No, yeah, speaking of like um, John Favreau's Happy Hogan, I thought it's this this film has a nice closure. Leading yeah. up, I mean, from from Endgame after you know where, where we saw him um, taking trying to be this father figure or someone to help look after um, Tony Stark's daughter but this one I thought it's that that moment that they had in the in the plane mm. it was so beautiful it's so well done and yeah. you know just little smirks and smiles they had when uh, Happy Hogan had you know when just looking at um, Spider-Man you know you feel I think I guess it's, it's Happy was with Tony Stark from the beginning and how he became Iron Man and now it's like he has this responsibility towards um Peter Parker or Spider-Man yeah. I, I guess he sees it and then it's also I guess it, it it's a closure for him because it's like you know he's also mourning the loss of Tony Stark and think, now he can pass the torch on to Spider-Man yeah so. I think it'd be good to see if uh, John Favreau can continue in the role I mean 
if you talk about closure, technically, I mean, he kicked it off mm-hmm. as director mm-hmm. of Iron Man, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the most acting he's had to do. I, I'd be ashamed to lose him. I've, I've never been particularly warm to Happy Hogan. He's always been like, well, he's that character. Yeah. Just goes around as comic relief for doesn't do much. Um, but yeah, this has got a bit more depth to it and I think if it could continue that'd be good. I hope so in the next is in the next um, round, especially when they're teasing Happy and Aunt May's relationship. Yeah. So it's, it's quite funny. Which I'm sure John Favreau's incredibly pleased about. <laughs> <laughs> Marisa Tomei is still looking good. Yeah. So <laughs> what where they take Spider Man from here on is gonna be very interesting because they make a very clear play to this needs a sequel very, very quickly. Yes. The mm. repercussions of what the ending in, in Spider-Man, it's yeah. incredible. And it's like, you know, it really makes me um, interested to see what Marvel is going to unveil in the next Phase 4, hopefully yeah. at Comic-Con. Oh, just yeah. can't wait. <laughs> and, I mean, of course, that said, uh, this is the, I think this is possibly the first film in quite a while where I would suggest, yes, Stick until the very, very end <laughs> credits scene because it's not just the throwaway one. It's kind of, well, it's kind of throwaway, but it what it reveals. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's definitely changing the direction and changing the whole. Yeah, thing. you you have to stick around for it. Um. So I reckon all thumbs up. It's a I, I give it four ticks for this one. I, Elsewhere, I think Parasite is still out. Parasite is you. We yeah. missed out reviewing Parasite last week. It was fantastic. Was if you cannot find tickets to get, um to Spider Man, please try and your luck for Parasite. Hopefully, it's still screening. It's, it's still around. It's it's you cannot miss this film, this Korean film. It's fantastic. It's well, the director did Snowpiercer. I think that's the last thing he did, which is quite wonderful. He did Okja too. Oh, yeah, so he's, yeah. he's done the Netflix thing. Uh, mm. So this is a cinema release, and yep. it won the Palme d'Or at yep. Cannes. Uh, I'm guessing by your action, it's a justified win. Yes, definitely. It's, I mean, it's the Korean film. This is Bong Joon-ho, probably first saw doing his uh, monster movie, The Host. Yes, The Host. So this is Parasite. It's about a family who um, well, essentially become parasites to a wealthier Family. Yeah, yeah. This, this. I think the Kim family. Uh, like, I guess you can call it the, the lowest rung on the social ladder. Mm. So they are actually li- living in, also in a basement of a building, in a flat zone area. So it's like really the down. You know, if you can see it figuratively, it's like really at the bottom of the hill. Right. And so somehow this the son found a job in the Park family. I think it's Park. That yeah, at which literally is at the top of. The, of He's on top of the hill, so right. it's like huge mansion and everything else. Mm. And then so it is quite ingenious how the Kims weasel their way into, you know, finding jobs within the the, the, the wealthy family's household. Everybody gets a job. It's so it seems so ingenuous actually how they land themselves a, a role to play in the family. Okay. And then, then then they slowly take over, you know, thinking that you know, it would be nice to have to live in such a house like this, you know, I'm planning my future that, you know, it, the revolves living in this. So, you know, there's also a big reveal at the end, which it's very surprising. But 
what I really like about Parasite because it feel very real. It, it feel r- realistic because mm. I think the, sh- the the social class thing has always been addressed in not just in, in, in South Korea but in other countries but it's just so literal in this. Right. And you, you can actually imagine that people will do such things. So, so I thought it's like, you know, and it, it's just all how they play is like the whole family has no qualms about being manipulative and you know taking over and they're so proud of each other while doing such a feat right so it's, it's hilarious in a way but yet you know it, it comes out disturbing but is, no, is it a psych- psychological kind no, of thing no not or? really it's, it's, it's like a play uh, it's, it's just drama just a drama yes just a drama it's quite funny at some moments but yeah you should go watch it definitely hmm okay well there we go for spiders or parasites <laughs> make your choice and that is both your leave double feature for this week thank you for joining me Joanne you're welcome and thank you to all for listening and if you're passing by iTunes Google Podcast or indeed Spotify do press like rate reviewers every little helps and until next time and another double feature goodbye bye that was an SPH podcast Find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and streaming on Google Home. Do send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at straightstimes.com and bt.sg.